Welcome to Closing the Digital Divide, the show where we bring guests from industry, policymakers, equipment manufacturers, as well as many other people, and talk to them about the steps they're taking to close the digital divide. Today, we have with us a special guest, person I consider a friend, mentor. Um, I watched him. I met him a couple, about a year and a half ago at an event and was able to watch how he operated and just thought that, um, you know, he really had a, an, an intense passion for not only just broadband in a sense, but also getting people served and closing that digital divide. And that gentleman is Mr. Scott Woods, who's the president for a public-private partnership for Ready.net, Inc. and Broadband.money. Now, Scott served as a formal inaugural director of the Office of Minority Broadband Initiatives in NTIA's Office of Eternal Connectivity and Growth. Say that 10 times real fast. <laughs> While at NTIA, he served as the principal liaison between the OIGC Program Office and key strategic partners and external stakeholders group, excuse me, including representatives from state, local governments, and telecommunications companies for profit and nonprofit corporations and colleges and universities. Mouthful, Scott, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Thank you, Mr. Thomas, for, for uh, allowing me to join you and your audience today. It's a pleasure here to be with you. Well, first of all, let's get something straight. Mr. Thomas is my dad. You call me Charles. All right, Charles. I was ways right. So we got to say Mr. <laughs> first. And then if we're corrected, we act accordingly. <laughs> there you go. I was I was I was joking with uh, Scott before we came on. It's like, man, I, I can't open my computer screen without seeing uh, these guys promoting what they're doing. But we're going to jump right into it. today's topic is going to be navigating federal guidelines. And Scott, what I always like to ask everybody when uh, they come on the show is, first of all, what is the digital divide, the digital divide, excuse me, and why is it so important that we close it? Yeah, thank you. That's a that's a great question to frame what we're going to talk about today. You know, essentially, the digital divide is uh, the inability and an equity of certain communities to access the full benefits that the internet, that broadband internet, high-speed broadband internet and technology brings. So if you think back to where we were, you know, before the pandemic, the digital divide has always persisted. Uh, but it was really exacerbated during the pandemic when we couldn't go anywhere. Um, you know, schools and students were shuttered in. Uh, they still had to continue to go to school. We still had to continue to go to work. And those communities that were able to do that, they had the technology, the devices, the networks, you know, they did it with ease. Now, it did, you know, to use a technical term, it did suck, right? right. But those communities did thrive and they still, you know, generated wealth and they were able to educate their students and stay in contact. And in communities that didn't, including some of our HBCUs and colleges and universities, completely shut down. And it further exacerbated this rift between, if you will, those who have access to to robust high-speed broadband and technology, and those that do not. So that is that's that's what the digital divide uh, essentially is, uh, and it really has two components that we're really not talking about. Everyone talks about the low mm -hmm. end, right? People who don't right. have the elderly, vulnerable populations, you know, people of color populations, tribal areas, but it's also at the high end, right? Our college students to ensure 
they have access to coding and STEM and, and robust uh, connectivity to do quantum computing and this sort of next generation of technology that's coming. So I see it comprehensively. We've got to bring people who don't have access, who don't have technology, we've got to bring them up to speed. And then we also have to keep pushing the envelope on the top end to ensure that, again, we're, we're continuing to be competitive uh, from a global standpoint. And, and you bring up a great point. Because, uh, you know, the first time we met was around that HBCU college, um, getting those, and, and I, was, I was shocked, I, I will say, at the lack of uh, service, broadband <laughs> service, that some of these schools were having. I literally, one of the colleges that we were talking with, I literally had more internet performance power in my house than they had at their entire college. Absolutely. And I, yeah. and I could not believe that. Yeah. Um, the gentleman told me they were working, the, the entire school was working off of a 100 megabyte circuit into their school, which, I know. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's the same, right? That, that, that in, you know, that was what, a year and a half ago? So that was 20, yes. 2021, 2022. You know, we have we have schools, colleges and universities that are educating our young people. And part of my job as leading the CMC program and OMBI was, you know, we were talking with not just HBCUs, you know, his, Hispanic or uh, schools, sure. uh, our tribal schools. Uh, you know, local community college that educate a wide swath of of individuals. Um, you know, no from no particular ethnic mm -hmm. uh, persuasion, uh, but they're all impacted, right? And uh, right. the the funny thing about it is, you know, we really saw it when students had to go home, right? right. Students had to go home, so they had poor connectivity at school to begin with, but then they had right. even worse connectivity right. when they had to go home. And so these are our institutions of higher education, and uh, they should have robust broadband infrastructure uh, to go along with educating, uh, you know, our leaders of the future. And that's who these students, uh, these students are. Uh, but it doesn't just stop sure. at schools; it goes into the communities, uh, and we've got to do a much better job with making sure, again, that all communities have have access to affordable, affordable high-speed broadband internet. Going to highlight on that affordability issue. Absolutely. So speaking of affordability, we got a uh, pretty robust funding program coming up called uh, BEADS. In your opinion, what impact can BEADS have on closing the digital divide? I think with, if it's done correctly, uh, and I think it's on the pathway of being done, we can make a significant impact. It could be a catalyst uh, for addressing the digital divide. Now, some people believe you know, that 45 to, to $75 billion is not enough to close the digital divide. I think it's an awful good down payment. Uh, again, I think if coupled with the money that that's coming from private equity um, and other sources, uh, you know, it should be enough to make a significant impact on the digital divide. Uh, but at a minimum, it will serve as a catalyst to ensure that over the next five to 10 to 12 to 15 years, you know, there are actually infrastructure, network, and programming in place to ensure that we can reach that goal. So whether we get there at the end result of distribution of this historic his, uh, money that's out here, um, I don't know, but it's a great start. It's a great foundation. Uh, and uh, I think our job collectively and individually, at least my job here at the company, is to ensure that ISPs and local communities and state broadband offices have the tools that they need to ensure 
this money is going into the communities for the people and businesses that are at, at the heart of the issue of the digital divide? That's a, a, a tremendous answer. <clears throat> Excuse me, a tremendous answer. And that kind of leads us into why I wanted to talk to you. I, I jokingly said earlier, you know, whenever I turn my computer on, I, I, I see you um, all over the place. Tell us a little bit about Ready.net and, and broadband money and some of the things that you guys are doing to help close the digital divide. Yeah, that's a great question. Again, I, I'm going to start by clearing up a couple of things. So people always say, well, who's Ready.net and what's broadband by money? So Ready.net Inc. Sure. is the parent company, is the technology company. You know, we provide software, uh, next generation software services and tools, and broadband.money is, is one of the products that we have, one of the in market products that we have. People use us interchangeably, but that's that's the setup. Uh, and, the, and the goal, are the co-founders who set up the company wanted to ensure that local communities, that local service providers had the tools that they need not only to compete, uh, but also to take advantage of the historic federal funding and money and guidelines that are out there, because a lot of those priorities that are listed in the broadband equity and access deployment program and the digital equity and the capital projects fund, it's all data intensive. You've got to know where yes. broadband is and is not in your community. And more importantly, who is connected and who is not connected down to the, the granular address level. And so our tools help local communities, local service providers, state broadband offices, again, be able to identify where uh, those ta target or vulnerable populations are, where the unserved are, where the underserved are, where are anchor institutions, and again, uh, using a platform beyond just data and mapping that state broadband offices and, and, and local governments can use to ensure that they're using those funds for the intended purposes, for the efficient and effective use uh, for what we want is to close the digital divide. So that's a that was a, a the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's break it down. I, I'm Absolutely. a I'm a uh, say I'm a municipality. Okay. I'm a small municipality out in the rural area. I don't have a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. I'm giving Mr. Woods a call and say, hey, I need help. Mm -hmm. Walk us through that process. Well, I mean, the first thing I'm, I'm going to ask that municipal leader is, are you in contact with your state broadband office? Right. Every state right now under mm -hmm. BEAT has a uh, state broadband office. Uh, all 50 states and six territories have a dedicated broadband office director that these funds are going to go through. And I want to let everyone know, too, these B funds flow through the state. Uh, the digital equity money have an option of going through the state or they can go specifically uh, to providers or nonprofits. But the B money is going through through the states. And so you got to coordinate with your state broadband office because NTIA put in the guidance, state broadband offices have to conduct local coordination, which means they have to go through, in theory, they should go through every community, Mr. Charles, you know, every single community right. <laughs> documenting what the needs are. And so what I would advise that municipalities is, is first start there. But don't wait for them to come to you. Let's let's come to them with the information that you know where broadband is, what your broadband needs are for your residents and businesses and services in your community, uh, and come to the table ready uh, to be a part of this historic process. Again, if you're not a part of the process, whether your state gets a billion dollars or two dollars, 
your community won't see any of it if you're not involved in the planning and the plans that are going forth to NTIA uh, for consideration and funding. So it's very important um, that A, we're involved in that process, but B, that we come to the table with a plan, with information, that we know what's going on with our communities and actually demand you know that uh, that that we're reflected in that, that our communities are reflected in the plans that the state goes forward with. So, in in, in saying that, because I've, I've worked with a, a, a few folks out here, I want to talk a little bit about the fabric map. Um, <laughs> and I I know the 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 the, the challenge time has, right. has has passed. What's the impact that's going to have on some of these folks that? You know, maybe like me, I'm small municipality. Um, I don't really have a GIS person. Mm -hmm. You know, we're running around trying to figure things out. And now this map is being thrown on us. How can what you guys do kind of help us through that process? That's a great question. Let, let me let me frame it this way. First of all, the, the, the fabric map, it's, it's a huge undertaking and challenge, right? Um, and the FCC has done, I think, uh, an okay job, right? It, it is thankless. It is very difficult to do. I think it could have done, it could be rolled out better. I think there are some opportunities and, and missteps that weren't taken advantage of, but that's where we come in, right? So we uh, have data uh, down on a granular local level. We have tools where local communities can determine exactly um, the type of internet access and speeds and affordable uh, uh, programs uh, that their residents and businesses need. But in some, Congress told uh, the B program that use the fabric maps to determine uh, the initial allocation that states are going to get, right? So the FCC mm -hmm. was already did, working on a broadband map, and then Congress said, well, let's use this map that you're already developing for B. So it's really not a logical one-to-one -one, uh, connection between the uses of the broadband map uh, and the B program. But I, I digress. Essentially, the broadband map, the fabric map that the FCC is developing will be used by NTIA to determine how much money your state's going to get based on the number of broadband serviceable locations that uh, have and do not have access once this map comes out, right? So there have been three or four iterations of the map. NTIA is going to make its decision on the version of the map that's out on or before June 30th. So the big pin in the calendar right now is NTIA's initial allocation decision on June 30th and this next iteration of, 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 of the fabric map that's going to come out. However, once the state gets its money, it has the opportunity to develop, and many states are doing this, to develop their own maps to determine in their geographic jurisdictions where broadband is and is not. So again, the, the FCC map in, in principle is going to be used to determine whether Texas gets $3 billion or $2.5 billion. There have been some estimates as high as $3.5 billion that Texas may get. Uh, but then there's some leeway that states will have uh, again, to develop their own map, their own data uh, to ensure uh, the allocation of those resources once the initial uh, uh, decisions are made. So let me ask you a follow-up question to that. Then would the states have an opportunity to, to challenge those allocations? So yes, um, and we're waiting on guidance on uh, from NTIA uh, from that, but mm -hmm. states have an obligation. This is also in the in the bead NOFO to conduct a challenge process 
working with existing ISPs and ISPs that will serve as sub-applicants or sub-grantees in the program, uh, and we're waiting on that guidance. NTI just put out initial challenge process guidance last week. Uh, comments are due to, uh, today, uh, May 5th, uh, before uh, midnight. Uh, and so we'll, many of this will be worked out in the days and weeks and month ahead. But the takeaway is states will have an opportunity uh, to challenge the ISP designations of what is served and, uh, and not served uh, in certain communities. Uh, but again, they have to have a working understanding of broadband availability uh, uh, in their community, right? We take it a step right. further, got to look mm -hmm. at prices, you got to look at demographics, right? You got to look at, you know, some historical trends of, of data to really understand where broadband is and is not in the community. Because as you know, Charles, right, I can I can build a fiber optic network, but if I priced it such that no one in my community can access it and afford it, it's a stranded asset, right? It, right. it doesn't right. do me any good as a, as a homeowner if I can't afford uh, broadband services that are offered. It's just as good as not having any broadband service at all. So that takes us into the, the elephant in the room, as I like to say, um, affordability. The ACP program, which has been, uh, you know, I like to say a godsend for, for many folks that are in that mid to lower um, range and 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 to your point, you know, COVID hurt a lot of people economically, right? Uh, one of the things that that we did was um, we made it a decision that we weren't going to shut anyone off mm -hmm. if they lost their job due to COVID, right? We figured out a way to keep them going. That program has not been refunded. In your opinion, what would the impact be if ACP is not refunded. I, I think if it's if it's not re reauthorized, I, I you know it's going to have devastating impact on B. One of the requirements uh, among the many requirements of B is that the service providers who are funded and are building these networks must provide a low cost option, but also can't uh, offer a lower quality service. So they have to have a high quality service, but with a lower price tier. Uh, and the ACP is is helping, in fact, uh, families reach that uh, goal. It's thirty dollars a month um, mm. for internet service, not cell service. Thirty dollars a month for internet service, seventy-five dollars uh, for devices and tribal lands. It can be up to seventy-five dollars a month uh, for internet service, and this is paid directly to the service provider. Doesn't go to the homeowner. It goes directly to the service provider to offset or discount the monthly cost of, of internet service. So you have a big portion of the policy push for BEAD is to provide affordable service. And if you take away one of the principal fun funding mechanisms um, that local communities, that, that individuals can take advantage of to get affordable service, then you cripple that program. So, I, you know, I think this is, uh, living here in Washington, D.C., this is probably going to turn more into a political issue. But at the end of the day, I think mm -hmm. because this money is going directly to service providers, right, to offset the cost of of internet access, um, I think it, I think it'll be I think it'll be reauthorized and, and funded. Hopefully made permanent, uh, but definitely uh, funded so that we won't have the devastating impact of bead of uh, of not having that affordable service option that many of our communities need, whether it's urban, whether it's rural, east coast, west coast. 
there is a need for affordable services uh, across the country. And one of the things I, I always say, you know, the digital divide doesn't know color, doesn't know neighborhood, yeah. doesn't know creed, doesn't right. know anything. It's it's out there. Right. And in some of the locations where you think that may be an affluent area, we got people that can't afford the Internet service. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Or 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 are in a or in a pocket. Right. That they got skipped over for one reason or another. Yep. They've been cherry picked. They've been cherry picked. We, I've seen it. <clears throat> yes. Excuse me, my my, you know, 12 years at NTIA and and my almost one year here with Ready, we've seen it all over the country. No matter where you are, there are rural areas that are picked over, and there are assets they're going through. But the cost per mile to to build to that last mile location is such that it doesn't fit into the ROI of a provider. In urban areas, we see the same thing. There are communities that have been cherry picked. Sometimes for different reasons. Most of it is because of affordability and ROI numbers. But I think under B now we have an opportunity for more collaboration, for a change in some of the business models that will allow for, again, more communities, more homes, more businesses, more farms, more rural areas to be to be connected, which is ultimately that's what we that's what we want. Well, I know I I, I lived in the rural areas for, for quite some time and I could only email like after 12 o'clock because we didn't have service and no. and there are people that are living like that today and have right? been living like that for a long time for Absolutely. a long time yeah. and and hopefully this program can help my scott again i want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule tell people how they can get in touch with you and learn more about what you guys are doing with um your your tool Make sure I, I get them right <laughs> at ready.net and one of the tools that you guys are using, broadband.money. So absolutely. We, um, in addition to uh, the software as a service that we offer, we have a digital community. So folks can log on to broadband.io uh, and join that community. We offer a lot of free resources. Uh, we do a lot of digital content. I have my own office hours and podcasts that I do and we talk to um, ISP and, and knowledge leaders and digital equity folks from across the country, uh, but they can join that community, um, number one. Number two, they can also request a demo of the platform and tool, and then they can find access. <laughs> yeah, that broadband.io is, is where you, where you mm -hmm. start, uh, but then uh, you can also visit our ready.net, visit us at ready.net to find more information about the tools and products and services uh, that we offer and provide. Again, whether you're in the community, whether you are an ISP, a service provider, or whether you're a state broadband office, we we have something for you. And so uh, please check us out uh, and let me know if you have any any questions or or comments or feedback. We welcome those. Scott, again, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us here today on CTDD. To hear this and other episodes on closing the digital divide, go to our website at ctdd.castos.com or wherever you get your podcast.